No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I'm your host, John Toyson, and this week on the program, once again, no guest. Uh, this week I wanted to do another look at a notable death, this time looking at the unfortunate and untimely passing of Marilyn Monroe to see if I could handle a bit more of a salacious uh, story and incident and see if I can navigate my way through it and make sure that I can present this with some sort of <laughs> uh, value or um, lesson to impart. Um, so this will be a bit interesting for me. I'm not certain how this is going to go, but bear with me and we'll figure this out together. But before I get into all that, I wanted to say thank you again for listening and for the feedback and taking the time to do either of those because, frankly, I'm happy doing this in a vacuum, but if I get some feedback from people, it always makes it a little more interesting for me. Still working on gathering questions for a uh, listener comments or listener feedback episode so I can uh, answer some questions, give some more insight into who I am, and to help better understand who I'm talking to because if I don't hear from you, I don't really know what kind of audience I have. Um, If you want to get any information to me, you can certainly send an email to yourdead2 at gmail.com or uh, reach out on Twitter or Instagram at yourdead2. I'm easily available there. Should be pretty responsive uh, considering it's me running those accounts. So that's a good way to get a hold of me. But uh, today is Wednesday, September 11th. Fall is quickly approaching here in Minnesota. I'm not going to spend the day belaboring the points about September 11th that somebody much more intelligent and well-spoken than I am could make because I uh, was in high school when it happened and didn't really know how to process the world, let alone something of that magnitude considering the roots of it were laid back in the late 70s, early 80s with uh, the Soviets in Afghanistan, and I didn't, you know, I still can barely process the notion of it today. Um, So I'm not really going to speak to that, but fall is quickly approaching. It's rainy here, and uh, you can probably hear the sump pump going off in the background at some point during this episode because it's very, very cold, gray, and damp here. Uh, Summer is over. It's not just on the way out, but I mean, we're going to see a couple of more 80-degree days here, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be fall. It's going to be gray and rainy, and leaves are already falling off the trees. I sound bummed out about it. I promise I'm not. I'm actually... I look forward to fall. I like it. I like Halloween. That's a lie. I love Halloween. I really do. I love the fall. I love as much as it might... <laughs> might make my wife or my parents laugh to say it. I love raking leaves. I love the yard work. I love being outside. I love a lot of weird stuff about fall. I don't like winter coming on, but man, being in Minnesota and uh, having actual seasons and having summer, fall, winter come on is just an amazing transition through the year. Uh, Winter gets incredibly painfully long here and that, you know, we're all ready for it by February. Unfortunately, it tends to last till April or May here and makes us go a little stir-crazy. But then again, if it was amazing here and that didn't happen, we'd have an influx of population that we couldn't handle. So that's beside the point. Point is, uh, gray, somber, rainy day here. I'm going to try something a little unusual by talking about somebody that I don't know as well as I did with Kurt Cobain last week. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that, and the response was pretty positive. So when I have the opportunity now, I'm going to continue looking into notable deaths and see if I can't uh, 
bring something worth sharing out of that. So without further ado, without further stalling on my part, let's get into the life and death of Marilyn Monroe. Okay, so the first thing you might be asking is who the hell is Marilyn Monroe? Marilyn Monroe, and bear in mind all of my sources for this are going to be coming from either pop cultural osmosis for um, everything that I've grown up with um, as a child of the 80s and 90s and the pop culture that I consumed, but obviously major source will be Wikipedia and then a number of different books that are cited through there as well. Um, Basically, yeah, all of these, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, two, uh, you know, there's enough footnotes here. I'm just going to say check every listing at the bottom of Wikipedia because that's, you know, the the primary source and you can easily dovetail out from there to find other things and idiosyncrasies of her life and what she's gone through. But here, let's just cut right through the sourcing aside. Let's talk about Marilyn Monroe. Born Norma Jean Mortensen. June 1st, 1926, she passed away as Marilyn Marilyn Monroe, August 4th, 1962. She actually had changed her name at that point, so she was officially Marilyn Monroe in the record books. Uh, She was an actress, a model, and a singer, although singer is not really what she's known for. That was definitely something she did. Um, She was really famous for playing blonde bombshell characters, um, just real sex symbols of film and pinup fame she was basically this she was like a tulpa <laughs> she was this thing brought to life by post-war america this idea that you could take the danger out of sex and make it into something healthy and positive um, i don't mean to dismiss her life as such it's it's just that as a person she was something wildly different than what she was as a national icon. Um, Her childhood was really rough. She never knew her father. She was bounced from house to house from a foster system because her mom was unwell. First, she wasn't able to afford taking care of her, but by the time that she finally was able to be able to raise her she was mentally unstable and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia which would be difficult for a single parent to have and uh, live with in the uh, 30s and 40s when you don't really have the means to take care of a child so it was really tumultuous for her there was abuse that went on as well that no doubt shaped her view of the world and her view of uh, men and people in authority Uh, she actually had married several times and dropped out of high school. She was, she lived a hard life. I feel bad. I, I I don't, I mean, I know everybody has a different set of cards that they're playing with, but we all get dealt a hand and this is what we do with it. She, by all accounts, if you spend even just five minutes reading about her, you can tell that the stereotype or the, the, the pop culture shorthand gag that you see in movies is just not authentic to her. You know, she, gets cast as this sex pot when in reality she seemed to have a pretty good grasp on who she was and she seemed very intelligent and to quote from is it gentlemen prefer blondes or is it yeah in gentlemen prefer blondes she said 
I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it. That was something she'd said in her life and then had it added to the script, and that is sadly crazily apropos to it because she was uh, driven and talented. She, If she was just a dum-dum standing on stage in a dress, you know, there wouldn't have been a career built around her. I mean, but she was able to actually make that jump from being a pinup model to being an actress, and it was at a time when women didn't necessarily have the agency that they often would or that they would attempt to justifiably... Uh, John, shut up. Basically, this was a time when it was much more common and much more acceptable for men to be controlling, dismissive, um, abusive. Not that that doesn't happen today, but even more so during this time, the uh, mid-40s to early 50s, she was actually... Um, at one point working in a munitions plant and was brought in for photographs for morale boosting for troops and quickly from there got the model bug and wanted to be uh, out of the assembly line and into something more comfortable. And so she dyed her hair and straightened it and uh, quickly transformed into what she became. Um, the Asphalt Jungle was her first big breakout role. Um, and you can find clips of it online too. I mean, I just, I went through a couple this week as I was reading up on all this and she really has a magnetic presence on screen. She just, I mean, it's strange. I think of it the way that I think of when you find something in culture that everything has been derived from or touches on. It can't help but feel strange to go back to the source and then look at it directly and say, what is this? Because it, it feels like the source material is not cheap or like faded or – it's like it's not as impressive. You know, It's almost unremarkable because you've seen it done and Xeroxed to death. So to see – her work on screen, I, it's like I don't even have a proper appreciation for her. What I want to do is when I'm going through the AFI Top 100 movies, uh, uh, Paul Shear and uh, I mean Nicholson's podcast, uh, Unspooled, when they get to Some Like It Hot, I want to sit down and watch the full movie, which is available on Amazon Prime uh, at the moment. I would uh, love to hear people's thoughts about it. But um, I really... The few things that I've seen her in, there's a reason she's famous, there's a reason she was who she was, but, you know, I only grew up as a child knowing the pop culture punchline of Marilyn Monroe, you know, this this womanly, voluptuous, va-va-voom type who, uh, you know, how is a kid, how is a young boy supposed to process that? It's like a caricature of sexuality, and... As I've gotten older and I've looked back to see who she was and what culture was at that time, it's a real downer to know what her life was like and what her experiences were at that time, in particular when she was um, – uh, Laurence Olivier had problems working with her as an actress, and um, depending whose take you get and whose perspective you're willing to listen to and whose perceptions you want to filter this all through uh, – Either she wasn't that prepared or she was going through some difficult times with drug addiction and uh, stage fright or perfectionism. Or according to uh, 
other accounts, she was just difficult. But no, I don't. I don't buy that. I want to um, give the benefit of the doubt wherever possible and just believe her because I'm sure it was a toxic, shitty environment to be working in that uh, she was really tossed around by the studio system whenever she tried to make a name for herself that quickly pushed her back into her box, pushed her back into her role. But she was uh, Time Magazine. They were unabashedly calling her a shrewd businesswoman when she was branching out with her own production company, which really screwed the studio system uh, and kind of broke the process of their their grip that they had on Hollywood. So she had actually moved back east to New York. Um, the trouble is that she had enough going on in her life and was not... Well, shit, I'm not a psychiatrist, but... She is this distillation of the things that we vilify in society and yet cannot look away from and cannot give up. It's not an accident that she was famous. It's not an accident that she rose to prominence or that she became this icon. It's because we looked. It's because people want to see that. People, this is, it's, it's, speaks to our base levels of what we do. Men are dumb, easily fooled creatures and... You know, Catherine Hepburn, or um, Audrey Hepburn and uh, Lauren Bacall, I mean, there had been intelligent, hardworking women on screen before, and they appealed to women as a viewing audience, but Marilyn Monroe was brought in as this, like, eye candy just to bring in men in droves because we're just dumb animals, and we are. It's, it's, we're not hard to fool. I mean, you see this time and time again with other women that get paraded around in front of us to make us kind of drop dollar on something. Like, it's, it's sad, but, you know, sex sells. It's basic hardwiring on our, on our genetic code that we want to be perceived as somebody that can be with somebody who can reproduce and have lots of babies. And when you're an hourglass shaped woman, well, yeah, it, it, you can show men shapes of clouds and they'll get turned on. It's we're, we're not deep creatures. Uh, I say all this because this is something that we created Marilyn Monroe out of a zeitgeist and then just basically stuck her into this role and then said, just deal with it. Uh, she had mental health issues. She, I'm certain there was a genetic factor in that her mom had paranoid schizophrenia, or as it was diagnosed at the time, but that Marilyn Monroe is going through her own depressive states and her own mental health issues that were likely being ignored or downplayed. There was a famous incident where she had... Uh, sinusitis, you know, just absolutely awful sinus infections that were keeping her pretty much bedridden and the studios, rather than help her or give her concession to take a few weeks off, would plant stories in the media that she was faking it to convince her to come back to work. It's just basically people just don't listen to women. It's kind of like the recent John Oliver uh, piece on HBO about doctors under-prescribing women for pain meds. It, it just... We just don't believe women. It, it, something about the condescension of uh, men in power. We just assume women are being shrill, hysterical, um, overdramatic. And it's just, it's a really sad indictment of 
men in power because frankly, you know, I've been, I've been around it my whole life and, you know, I'm, all I'm learning basically is to take a back seat and to just listen to people more and yet here I am talking on mic about why my ideas matter. So pressing forward, if there's anything that people can get out of this, all the better for it. But let's get to some more details of her life. Marilyn Monroe had actually at one point married Joe DiMaggio. Uh, the relationship didn't go well. He was abusive and controlling, but not very public about his feelings. He didn't, uh, again, men at the time, worse than they are now. So here's a common thread. They got divorced. Uh, she married Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller was a brilliant writer, and uh, the tabloid headlines at the time said, Egghead marries bombshell. Or no, Egghead marries hourglass. Like, that's that's how the world was perceiving this or being told this is that brilliant man marries dumb dumb hottie like that's it's sad i it's just it's frustrating to read this and to know that there was just such dismissive disregard to any worth this woman could have other than her appearance when you can see i mean she's just watch her for five minutes you can see that she's talented and knows how to carry herself on camera and on stage and she knows how to sell something she knows how to like you don't think that's difficult until you try doing it i'm somebody that has loved movies and tv and uh i do enjoy going to the theater but i I don't profess to be able to do so myself but i have you know you watch enough of it you can see bad acting and you can see good acting and Man, she can be good. <laughs> it's not this is not all just smoke and mirrors. She's she can be talented. But okay, so she divorced Arthur Miller. Well, look, let's let's just dive right into the the nuts and bolts of this. Marilyn Monroe died of a barbiturate overdose on the evening of Saturday, August fourth, nineteen sixty two, at her home in Los Angeles. Her body was discovered before dawn on Sunday, August fifth. She was uh thirty six years old. She had suffered from uh, undiagnosed mental illnesses and substance abuse for several years prior to her death and uh, hadn't worked in over a year. She had been uh, in a movie called The Misfits that was released in 61, but uh, this was 1962. She'd spent time working on herself and trying to take care of herself and uh, take time off from the grind of the studio because it's when they were making three, four, five pictures a year back then. Um she had spent the last day of her life, Saturday, August 4th, at her home. Um, she wasn't alone. She had her publicist, Patricia Newcomb, her housekeeper, Eunice Marie, um, and actually a photographer, and a psychiatrist there as well, psychiatrist uh, Ralph Greenson. And uh, the psychiatrist recommended she not be left alone for the night. And I mean that right there. Come on. When you recognize somebody shouldn't be left alone for the night, maybe pressing on. Uh, So for years heading into the 60s, she'd been dependent on amphetamines and barbiturates and alcohol and um, was using all this to cope with depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, chronic insomnia, perfectionism. Basically, she would get so worked up by assholes on set or just wanting to have the perfect take and be kind of in the moment that she would need to either numb herself before or after or it just push everything down and I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. I can sympathize with her, but I can't necessarily understand it myself. But 
I've had professional stuff where I thought, oh, good God, what I would give for just a shot of whiskey before this meeting starts because it would make it go a little easier. Um, so I, I can't I can't blame her, especially when your entire existence seemingly hinges on your ability to fit into a particular dress size or, you know, look a certain way on screen. It's just there's a lack of control there. So I just I can really I feel for her. So, like I said, her third marriage uh, at this point to Arthur Miller ended in divorce in January of 61. Um, instead of working, she spent a large part of 1961 preoccupied with these health concerns. She'd had um, endometriosis and a cholecystectomy. She had cysts taken out. Um, she had a number of reproductive issues that um, she'd had some ectopic pregnancies. She'd had a number of personal private things go wrong that she'd had to have surgery for and just wanted to take care of herself. Um, and again, this was back at a time where mental health and mental, mental wellness were not talked about the way that they are now. Even 20 years ago, it was considered taboo to talk about taking medication and going to a therapist. This was, you know, 40 years before that, where basically uh, admitting you had feelings was akin to being a communist, uh, which would get you blackballed. So, she spent the last day of her life at her home, and she had met with that photographer in her home to talk about um, a new set of photos that had been taken on a recent film that she was working or had been working on called Something's Got to Give. She'd had a massage from a personal therapist, and she talked with some friends on the phone, and at 4.30 in the afternoon... That day, her psychiatrist came to her house to do a therapy session. The psychiatrist left at 7 o'clock and asked the housekeeper to stay overnight to keep her company. And I don't want to armchair quarterback here. I mean, it's I, I feel bad knowing she didn't have somebody closer to her to— and maybe she was close with her housekeeper. I don't know. But to not have somebody that could stay with you. Um. Around 7 o'clock, uh, Marilyn received a call from Joe DiMaggio Jr. Uh, she had been close with him despite the divorce from his father, Joe DiMaggio. Uh, Marilyn was not a biological mother here. Uh, he had told her that uh, Joe had broken up—or no. Joe Jr. had told Marilyn that he broke up with a girl that uh, Marilyn hadn't been fond of, and um, he didn't seem to detect anything alarming in— uh, Marilyn's response or conversation on the phone, she seemed normal enough that he wasn't, he didn't make any particular note of it. Uh, around 7.40, uh, she called her psychiatrist to tell him the news of the breakup and uh, just kind of, you know, checking in. She then went to bed at about 8 o'clock. Um, she got a call from an actor, Peter Lawford, who was trying to get her to come out and go to a party that night. And according to Lawford, uh, he was alarmed because she sounded like she was under the influence of drugs. She told him to, quote, say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to the president, uh, who is Peter Lawford's brother-in-law, and to say goodbye to yourself because you're such a nice guy before drifting off. And I don't know if he – if she hung up the phone because she was actually found dead holding the phone receiver in her hand, um, but he actually – when Lawford wasn't able to call her back, which makes me think she never hung up the phone, uh, 
Peter Lawford called his agent, who then tried to reach Monroe's psychiatrist. Um, and so another person who actually called the house and spoke with the housekeeper who said that Marilyn was fine. But um, about 3.30 in the morning on Sunday, August 5th, the housekeeper woke up sensing that something was wrong and saw a light from under Marilyn's bedroom door, but she wasn't able to get a response from knocking on the door, and the door was actually locked. So she called the psychiatrist, and he told her to go look through the bedroom window, and she saw Marilyn laying face down on the bed, covered by a sheet, and clutching the telephone. Uh, psychiatrist shows up shortly after and breaks a window and finds her dead on the bed. Um, they called her doctor, uh, Dr. Hyman Engelberg, who came to the house at 10 to 4 in the morning and confirmed the death. And at 425 in the morning of August 5th, they notified the LAPD that she had passed away. So, what happened? We don't necessarily know. Which sucks. But that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this, because... It was front page news. I actually, I talked to my father uh, before recording this episode and mentioned that I was going to be recording this and uh, talked a bit about it and got his recollection of it. And he was a, a young person in the Midwest at the time and didn't really take much notice of, um, you know, Hollywood goings on. I mean, it's just not, it wasn't in his worldview, didn't have to bother with it because it had no effect on him and it just wasn't of any interest but he did remember going to see some family and as he got on the train he looked over at the newspaper box on the platform and saw that it was the you know above the fold massive headline uh, Marilyn Monroe dies uh, and he was just you know really surprised she was 36 years old that's how old I am I you know I think I've barely lived a fraction of my life even though I've already got gray hair coming in and a, a child that can ask me full-on questions but <sighs> When she died, she was alone and in a depressed state. Supposedly, she wasn't taking care of herself and she was unkempt. And uh, again, this is the judgmental, shitty language of a male focused society and disregarding women's opinions and uh, concerns. I'm guessing, honestly, if you just gave her a week off with some sweatpants. I just feel like that would have made a difference, you know, just the idea of like, well, she's not fully made up. She's not taking care of it. Like, Jesus Christ, just let her be a human and maybe it'll be okay. But I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, the long and short of it is she, it's, it was a drug overdose. She was both prescribed and just taking a bunch of medication. One of them was Nembutal, which is a barbiturate, which um, in my experience as both a psychiatric patient and a <laughs> uh, exploratory college kid never ran across I can tell you that much um, it's just not something that's out there in the world that um, middle class white kids run into anyway maybe that's different now that there's a heroin epidemic in the country but uh, it's just a bunch of downers that specifically have terrible terrible interactions with alcohol and uh, she had overdosed once in the past and had been hospitalized for it as such, but she just, it's, 
I suppose I'm going to end up talking about Michael Jackson and Prince at different times going forward in the future for different reasons here, but it makes me think of similar things where it's not necessarily some celebrity scandal of a person looking for a high to chase, that it's about functioning and it's about feeling bad about your own life and your own body and that she was trying to find solace and trying to find medication and a balance that she could live with. But it sounds like she was in a depressive state or a depressive episode and took multiple mouthfuls of these pills and they killed her. Um, She died alone, which, I mean... I don't think anybody should have to do that. I Joe DiMaggio had finances set up for basically as long as it would happen to have flowers, to have roses delivered to her gravesite three times a week, um, as long as they could going forward. And as far as I understand, it's still happening to this day. Um, But like I said, her death was front-page news in the U.S. Um, It's reported. I don't know if there's truth to it, but the the legend is that suicide rates in L.A. doubled the month after she died. Um, Circulation rates of newspapers also expanded that month, and they, let's see, like the Chicago, excuse me, the Chicago Tribune reported that they were getting hundreds of thousands, I'm sorry, that they were getting hundreds of phone calls from members of the public requesting information about her death. Um, French artist John Cocteau, commented her death should serve as a terrible lesson to all those whose chief occupation consists of spying and tormenting on film stars. Um, And ironically, Laurence Olivier deemed her, quote, the complete victim of ballyhoo and sensation. Uh, But again, this is from somebody who terrorized her on set and was cruel and judgmental. So take it that what you will. But her funeral was held August 8th at the Westwood Village Memorial uh, Park System the Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery where uh, her foster parents had been buried. And the service was actually arranged by former husband Joe DiMaggio and her business manager at the time. Um, And they only invited about 30 of her closest family and friends and basically kept all of Hollywood at bay with uh, police escort um, around the the site. Um, Funeral services were provided over by a local minister and conducted by the cemetery chapel. yeah. And they played Julie, Judy Garland singing Over the Rainbow during a funeral. Um, there were a number of conspiracy theories about her death. Frankly, I don't know. Having read through them and done a deep dive on a lot of them, I can't put a lot of stock into it. I love a good conspiracy theory. I absolutely do. You heard me talk about all the weird stuff I've talked about on this podcast, and you'd think if there was a chance to get into one, it would be you know, Courtney Love murdering Kurt Cobain or the Kennedys putting a hit out on Marilyn Monroe or Jimmy Hoffa. I just, I, I, I don't think there was anything there for that. It's, yes, she was, uh suspected of and had romantic dalliances with JFK and supposedly Bobby Kennedy as well, but those weren't exactly isolated incidents for the Kennedys. This was nothing new, frankly, that they couldn't handle and they couldn't shrug off knowing them. Um, really, all indications, according to autopsies and 
coroner's inquests, even uh, after Norman Mailer's book about her insinuating that there was some kind of cover-up, that there's really nothing there to suggest that there was anything other than a stomach full of pills. Um, You know, you can try to make some grand seductive thing out of it, but when you get down to it, it just becomes another example of this magical person that comes to life in the public eye at a time when what she was doing was unheralded or, you know, without precedent seemingly, and she becomes the the or example of something. And takes her own life because there's a human moment of frailty where she feels that her life is I don't know, broken, not worth it? I don't know. It's it's just a, another sad, tragic life cut short that just you, you feel for people that get put on these pedestals and then they have to deal with public scrutiny seemingly just for the fact of existing in the public eye. We are uh, cruel animals. I was reading this morning about... Um, further fallout of the fire festival and social media influencers and all the weird shitty soap opera effects of it and i was initially getting very old man yelling at kids to get off his lawn about it thinking what's so wrong with you know having a conventional job when i'm doing this at the moment um but then I, I realized how much it tied back into what I'd been reading about Marilyn Monroe and just how much nothing changes. This is with the advent of popular culture with massive amounts of people on the planet. You know, this wouldn't have been possible in 1750 London. It certainly did happen, not on this scale. You know, you'd have people getting massive amounts of attention, but they weren't... St- you know, having basically what I'm getting to is cameras. The fact that there are movies, the fact that there were TV shows, the fact that there were images distributed everywhere. It creates this thing where humanity suddenly expresses beyond the limitations of what you see directly in front of you. And we create these shared concepts and images. We've been doing this with books and stories and music for thousands of years, but when it suddenly becomes movie screens it it sets this whole other thing in motion in our brains it just it must do something to us evolutionarily to have you know 20 foot high screens with these people's faces on them it i i can't imagine what it does to somebody's head to be you know sought after by crowds and lusted after and i don't know i just Like I said, the second you start reading into who she was and what her experiences were, you realize how tragic and unfortunate her childhood was and how unfair it was and how intelligent she was and how powerful she could be in her own life. And that juxtaposition with, again, the male gaze of Hollywood it just G-A-Z-Y, G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S, the male gaze of Hollywood, that she was put into kind of a no-win scenario, and this is what happened. You know, she talked about wanting to be an actress when she was a little kid, that she liked playing house, and she liked playing pretend, and that's what acting was, and it clicked for her, and that she would get sent out of the house to go to the movies to go just basically 
her foster parents sending her out for the day. And she would just sit at the movies all day by herself, this little girl just sitting up in the front row looking at the screen. And it was just so heartbreaking to me to think of this little girl sitting by herself in the movies, idolizing what's on screen, but just sitting there all alone and not knowing maybe you should have somebody with you. I don't know. Being a dad has changed all my perspective on everything, and I'm... I don't know. It's a sad story. Uh, you know, with Kurt Cobain, I had something to say about legends and lives cut short. With Marilyn Monroe, it just... I feel bad. I just... I don't know. It's a piece of history that you can't change. You can only observe and study in recollection or hindsight. And she was amazingly talented, and she was a force like nothing else. But the only circumstances that fostered that growth and deliverance of her also likely robbed her from us. So it's this odd thing of an inevitability of death. It was either that or something else a decade from then or 30 years from then or I don't know. Uh, you know, Jane Mansfield, a contemporary of hers, died a horrible death in a car accident. And I mean, how do you make sense of the chaos, I guess? But So like I said, there's not... It's not a happy ending here, but this is the reality of it. No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Even somebody like Marilyn Monroe. It just makes me think that connection to people is important. And having someone that you can talk with. So, thanks for listening, people. I appreciate it. I will... Uh, I'll continue digging in and uh, send me your thoughts or comments if you think I should abandon the Notable Death series and move on to something else. I'm still getting guests lined up to come in, but I want to make sure that I'm giving the best content possible while I'm doing solo episodes. So I'm enjoying doing this, but if you've got thoughts, let me know. Otherwise, uh, till we meet again, folks. Thanks. Thanks.